TKIA. We made it. I'm Drew here with my sister, Ashley, and best friend, Derek. And we just got back from September 28th, 1984, the past. Ashley, why? Well, each week we travel back in time. To the best year ever. To watch whatever movie just hit theaters. And maybe eat some oysters from the Mississippi. Mm. <laughs> but before we get into that, here's what we saw. A bunch of noises. <laughs> All the noises. Oh, oh train tracks. Intriguing. A cop on the edge. Clint Eastwood. Tightrope. Rated R. Now playing. Check newspapers for theater listings. Wow, that told you everything about the movie. Uh, <laughs> so we watched Tightrope, starring Clint Eastwood. Rated R for strong sexuality, nudity, some language, and brief violent slash bloody content. <laughs> I like that you did the little pirate R. R. <laughs> <laughs> What's the name mean? It's the tightrope. He's walking between the good and the evil side. Nice. So if you're looking at the poster, it's um, one of my favorites yet, actually. It's just like neon red border on um, Clint Eastwood's face lit with like, um, well, with neon lights. There's a bed frame, a metal bed frame in the background with a pair of handcuffs hanging off of it. And <laughs> as you heard in the trailer, tagline is a cop on the edge dot 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 <laughs> perfect so speaking of dot dot dots um we did some stuff we uh saw a movie that had been out for a couple weeks because we weren't super excited or should i say jazzed about nice this <laughs> this week's new release slate so we saw the number one movie from a few weeks ago that's still in theaters tightrope and we decided you know, maybe to make it more about the adventure this time. So we went to the location where the movie takes place. Nolens. Is that how you say it? Maybe not for you. Nolens. Nolens. Nola. No, New Orleans. New Orleans. Orleans. <laughs> um, to uh, have a little mini vacay. Nolens in 84 was quite the sight to behold. Um music coming out of every club uh what else did we do we ate a lot of food yeah. <laughs> i'm very very full <laughs> how did those oysters sit not great for time traveling but great otherwise i think they'd be fine if we didn't immediately get on our scooters afterwards yeah maybe not we should have done it before the movie to get in the mood you know mm, yeah oh <laughs> sexy movie <laughs> Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, we might reveal a few more details from our exciting uh, trip. But Ashley, why don't you sum up this movie, Tightrope, in 15 seconds or less? All right. Ready? Go. A homicide detective, Clint Eastwood, his latest case is with a serial killer who murder murders ladies of the night slash strippers. And then the murder started to hit close to home. And then he finds out that the serial killer 
that he put the serial killer in jail and he's coming after him after he escaped from jail. For a pretty simple movie, you kind of confused me there. Well, I wanted to not give away too many things, but then I want then I did. So yeah. <laughs> spoiler. A, yeah, well, it's like a really straightforward plot in almost a satisfying way. Like he mm-hmm. uh is a cop. He goes to strip clubs. He, he <laughs> multi-purposes, multitasks. He'll get a lap dance and some clues. Um, and some sex. Yeah, yeah. Not just a lap dance is to put it mildly. Uh, <laughs> and then he'll the person that he sleeps with will wind up dead the next day and then he'll do it again. It's yeah, just keeps keeps going. Just a circle. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> what was like your backstory with this movie, Ashley, or the man Clint Eastwood himself, um, or even the city of New Orleans? Definitely no backstory with this movie at all. Um, but I remember when we, when we were growing up, we watched a few of his films, like all the spaghetti westerns with our parents, but I don't really remember them that well. I mean, did we? we <laughs> yeah, we did. I mean, I watched a few of Dad right. from what I can recall, but I don't really remember them very well. Um, I've been to New Orleans a few times. I went for Halloween when I was 22 and it was amazing. Um, I think that's, that's like, the best time to go. There's a Halloween scene in this movie, right? Or are they just dressed up for something else? No, there's a Halloween scene for, because they have like in a couple of scenes, they sprinkle that it's October throughout. Like there's a pumpkin lit up in oh, one yeah. spot and there's like, a couple of things. So it was definitely Halloween season. It's 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 almost like baffling to me how few Clint Eastwood movies I've seen and our dad was definitely into westerns and we must have mm-hmm. watched them but I guess I thought westerns were boring or something when I was growing up and then I had a really hard time uh rekindling any kind of interest and in, in giving them a chance I remember watching High Noon for a film class and, and really liking it not a Clint Eastwood mm-hmm. movie but just one of the the kind of pillars of the the western genre um but there's the clint eastwood 60s era which is um the man with no name trilogy with uh, sergio leone and mm-hmm. then in the 70s i think that's when like the dirty harry movies are coming out and then in the 80s he's like this is definitely pretty uh, far off the the radar for you know normal uh, Clint Eastwood fans, I would say. Oh, yeah. I completely so, agree. <laughs> not surprising you hadn't seen this. I've been to New Orleans a couple times, too, before our most recent trip. Probably the most memorable time was when uh, I was traveling around in the van with um, Lolita's mother cat. And so we were parked at various uh, locations around the city, kind of living out of the van. So I got a pretty like up close and personal <laughs> look at the <laughs> the streets of New Orleans during that trip. Derek, uh what about you? Uh I don't I mean I've got a backstory it's kind of well similar to yours um and Ashley's my you know my dad used to love Clint Eastwood films. I don't really <laughs> remember them and like you said they kind of seemed boring to me at the time. But that's since changed but uh my backstory with kind of new orleans is that that's been on my list of places to travel to for a long while so Mm -hmm. oh but you haven't been no i haven't until we just went well yes (laughs) (laughs) besides that 
<laughs> well, I haven't been, he hasn't in, been in, in New Orleans in present day your lifetime because in '84 you weren't born. So, right, it's been what like technically how many years has it been since I last been there? Then <laughs> <laughs> negative <laughs> infinite uh, negative three. Yeah, no negative <laughs> two. Well, yeah, it, it's um we should we should all you know hop on our scooters any given weekend and just pop over there we don't even have to see a movie we can just <laughs> no we, we have even... to see a movie that's your purpose yeah it's crazy that our scooters allow time travel and like we can go anywhere uh spatially as well pretty pretty powerful stuff mm-hmm. and we only use them for this podcast <laughs> right <laughs> what restraint they have low batteries it's fine they don't yeah it's a uh, it takes a week to charge them and then you get, <laughs> you get one use <laughs> Eventually, we'll probably get stuck. So we're going to do something a little different this week. We're going to go through some highlights and lowlights from the movie. I'll start. This was okay. a big movie for um, Pumas. Oh, yeah. Fair. <laughs> not, the, not the jungle cat, the shoes. So <laughs> right from the opening scene, there's like this close-up of the this character following a woman home like you see the full the full frame of the of the woman but you only see the shoes of the the person following her i thought i thought this opening scene was probably cinematically one of the more interesting parts of the movie oh yeah i completely agree i was very intrigued and then the movie happened so yeah but the whole movie <laughs> kind of not hinges on but you know mm-hmm. um the end of that scene it it does a close-up like of his shoes and specifically his kind of yellow laces and then transition to clint eastwood wearing the same pumas <laughs> right you know, that's gonna that's gonna be an issue are we supposed to think it was him i never did though yeah that's how well, i they, took it well he was questioning even, himself right but even in the Fairly. shadow you can still see that guy's face right you see for like right. half a second so you know it's not clint eastwood so i don't for it's me, just a popular it, yeah. shoe. <laughs> For me, it was just this reveal. He was going to take the, the mask off the person and it would have been him. That's how I was kind of taking it. Mm. Yeah, it was. That's kind of what I was getting at with Ashley's plot synopsis. Um, we can discuss if this is a highlight or a low light, but I, I was. We've, we've been conditioned in the decades since this movie came out to kind of expect there to be some sort of twist and that yeah either clint eastwood he had a dream at one point where he was um strangling the the woman that he's kind of uh dating the the one woman who's not a sex worker who he's Mm -hmm. dating um and so it shows you like it shows you that but of course it's just a dream he gets very sweaty in this movie yeah we'll save that one too (laughs) sweaty did you did you think kind of the straightforwardness of the plot was refreshing or just kind of boring yeah yeah i wanted more (laughs) twists i thought there'd be a twist or something but it was so like this is the serial killer here he is again he's wearing a mask this time but you already know it's him so then i was like well maybe there's two people doing like two serial killers because that would be a twist but there's no twist you're overthinking it the twist is that there's no twist that's too untwisty it's it's just (laughs) too straight yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's a it's a reverse twist oh <laughs> or it's a um what's that wrestling move a russian twist i don't know i only know like the half and full nelson i don't know yeah <laughs> the pencil <laughs> okay yeah so that's a low light fine um 
I've got a huge, well, I don't want to answer for you, but the location. So we kind of <laughs> geared our whole podcast around the New Orleans theme and visiting there. We were all hyped up uh, from visiting the city. Did you think that the movie kind of captured that New Orleans vibe? Only for like four, there was some jazz throughout, which is great. Mm-hmm. And then only really the Halloween kind of scene. They had some music going and like the costumes, but not really, not as much as I thought they would have to me. I mean, without it being like a hangover movie or something, I mean, they weren't like yeah. trying to be stereotypical, even though they hit like Bourbon Street, they hit like the French Quarter, they they mm-hmm. went on a boat ride in the Mississippi and had oysters. Like it was very, I thought okay. it was perfect. It was background. I mean, yeah. But like, I just wanted I it was to be cool louder. Location. Oh yeah, it was a great location. I just wanted it to be like more in your face. Which is funny that it was such a cool location because of this stirring bit of trivia. So they originally um, were going to film it in San Francisco, but because of the Dirty Harry, all that taking place in California, they moved it. Which had exactly the same plot. He's hunting a a, yeah. a serial rapist. So yeah, well, really... and and this one's based off of the Bay Area killer, which is in San Francisco, right. the right Bay Area rapist. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I thought I thought the location was I thought they used it the right amount without laying it on too thick. And they also went into um, that warehouse, which some of these aren't like locations that are iconic uh, tourist destinations or something, but it's just it it fit the tone of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. they, I mean, half of the movie takes place in, uh, strip clubs or adult entertainment parlors. So there's plenty of those in New Orleans. Yeah, but that's not what, yeah, <laughs> but I didn't go to any of those when I was visiting or when we time traveled. So I guess I didn't get the full experience. Oh, I guess you <laughs> dozed off while Derek and I did. Yeah. Creepy. Um, <laughs> what did you think about the tone of this movie or like for a lot of it, it it followed the mold of of a horror slasher movie, mm-hmm. except whenever they were about to uh, have a kill, they would just cut away and then they would show the aftermath the next day when he like found the body. It wasn't the movie was a hard R, so to speak, but it the reason it can't be a slasher is because they didn't show any of the violence, which would have been um, made it better. Honestly, Clint Eastwood at this at this stage in his career being in like, I mean, and this is the height of the of the horror slasher phase. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. That would have been. <laughs> and what if he was the killer and there's like blood all over him? And I don't know. It could have been really cool. Yeah. I mean, I, that's obviously not what the movie was was going for. But right. I, I agree that kind of um, I'm going to call that a low light because it would have been awesome. <laughs> if it was a Friday the 13th style with Clint Eastwood yeah yeah it's incredible I mean he could have still been the hero I don't I mean I don't necessarily need the twist to be that he was he was the killer um, mm-hmm. but either way to go hard because it had the it didn't have the music necessarily but it had the lighting like that whole opening scene is straight out of like um, Maniac or some other uh, New York set horror movies of the 80s that are just like basically stalker movies but then the stalker uh viciously mutilates it's it's, uh his always his (laughs) prey um Mm -hmm. let's go into the most fascinating (laughs) Uh. perhaps controversial aspect of the movie um i'm i'm 
I'm calling it Clint fucks. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What did you think of um, sexually adventurous Clint? It shouldn't have happened. Why? (laughs) It was just so uncomfortable. And I thought, and it made him, I mean, Retrader was like a really sleazy guy. He'd like go and be like, I need information. I also need a hand job. I also need a blow job. And then we're going to have sex. It's just like so many things that he did. Well, okay. So I'm not going to defend him as a person, but as an interesting character, I think that like one sort of playing off the, the really like, I mean, I wouldn't say Clint Eastwood, some characters were straight laced. They were obviously like murderous um, vigilantes or, mm-hmm. you know, cops that were not afraid to kill um, within the law uh, or, or the law of the West. But like, I doubt they were ever like sexually explicit, this sexually explicit. So he was probably trying to play that made his character sort of unlikable in an interesting way. Mm-hmm. Very um, it wasn't appealing. Don't get me wrong. No. Um, when he was doing those dips in the gym. Ew. Like where he was. So he was working out behind the other, one of the other main characters, this woman named Beryl. <laughs> um, yeah. And he was doing like she, dips behind her while she was working out. And it was so gross. Derek was a fan of the gym equipment though. Yeah. The equipment was so old school. It was shiny. <laughs> it was all metal. It wasn't any rubber, you know, any yeah. uh, safety coverings or anything. Mm-hmm. We learned that um, in certain back parlor, uh, big easy strip, strip clubs there's women who wear like this vibrating power glove contraption so (laughs) weird yeah how many um i had to ask you guys what the hell that was yeah it's just anything like it i don't even know if that really exists but i feel like why would they just make it for that one scene in the movie like they definitely exist somewhere yeah maybe somebody on set or like some production designer was just like oh this would be cool and I guess it, I mean, I guess it worked for, it worked well for her because Clint Eastwood had an affair with her in real life with the hand job. Girl. Oh, so oh. another bit of trivia. Um, is that the only person on set he had an affair with? Uh, no, he had, he had an affair with several people in this movie, but it only talks about the vibrating hand girl and he was married. So this is horrible. I mean, that, yeah, not I, great. Kind of taking a turn. Maybe he was method acting. No. For one, um, that's okay. So I didn't realize he was married, um, mm-hmm. and I didn't, you know, it's actually horrible enough because the the power dynamics of the the star actor in a in a male dominated industry and with a male director, like, and assuming he was uh, fifty six when he made this movie, mm-hmm. we did mm-hmm. the math. Um, no, fifty four. Because he was born in 1930, so I'm oh I'm certain all these women were 20 ish years younger than him. Yeah. So. Yikes. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. not great. Luckily, he's a crackpot 90 year old curmudgeon now that has already <laughs> had his reputation sullied. But, um, damn. I mean, it's not really upsetting because I don't have it. I mean, it's upsetting for the people. It's not. It doesn't change my perception on him because I don't really hold him in high esteem but Mm -hmm. sounds like a low light yeah low light for sure (laughs) yeah um let's talk about the characters real quick that's gonna make it more difficult for one of us to choose clint 
is the character that we kind of want to um I wasn't going to choose him anyway. Relate to <laughs> the most. <laughs> well, who, who, who do you want to call out, Ashley? I'm actually going to choose Amanda, which is Clint's eldest daughter, and his real-life daughter. I'm going to choose her. That's my character. Yeah, so that's another fun the another fun bit of trivia. The, the, he has two daughters in this movie. The reason he's such a broken man, it's kind of a trope. um you know you get left by one woman for good or you know reasons unknown to the viewer and he just kind of has free a free pass to um do whatever he wants in in his downtime because he plays football with his daughters um poorly throws the football (laughs) yeah poorly poorly throws the football and takes in stray dogs so dad of dad of the year um, mm-hmm. obviously he's Clint Eastwood. He's portrayed as a heroic figure in this. He is in a very stereotypical way, the protective, um, father who won't ever, you know, let anything bad happen to his daughters. That doesn't mean he's going to stop, you know, hooking up with strippers, even if that, you know, brings them closer to him. But nevertheless, you're going to go with, uh, Allison Eastwood. Yeah, and her name in the movie is Amanda. But she really nice. cared for her dad. He was really drunk one night because he was upset about the divorce and she like, took care of him. And she just seems very, she's just very sweet and she really cares about her dad, so. That's the real divorce from her mom? No. No, probably should have been. <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to go with the only other. Now, there's two other redeeming characters in this movie. Mm-hmm. I'm going to leave one of them for Derek. Um, the the woman that i mean she would be redeemed if once again she didn't fall for <laughs> a shitty Clint dude Eastwood. yeah but um there's this rape uh counselor not counselor she's a self-defense instructor, instructor that helps uh rape victims defend themselves so because clint is working on a case that's relevant to sex sexual assault crimes he hangs out weirdly in the back of her class um and then hits on her when when does he ask her oh so after he does the sexy dips he asks her out on a date and there was a certain moment in that date while they're eating oysters on the mississippi Mm, beautiful that he that she asks him what's really on your mind oh you want me to say it yeah (laughs) well what it'd be like to lick the sweat off your body that's so gross. Look how the mic kind of glitched there. But the day goes well enough. Yeah, really well. Um, she's she's got kind of like uh, she's dealing with like women who have experienced severe trauma. It doesn't really go into her trauma. They're portrayed in the movie and kind of like these are both damaged characters that are that are comforting one another and. Mm-hmm. No doubt by the end of the movie, Clint, Clint's character is going through, um, despite his transgressions that we've described, um, his character doesn't deserve what's happening to him in the movie. So she does help comfort him through that. And also she's just doing a righteous um, uh, service for women in her community, training them. What how I liked... to, yeah. Oh, sorry to cut you off. I was just going to say, I also liked how the actress... The actress in real life said that she shouldn't. She felt there shouldn't be like a love scene between them, and I'm very okay with that. 
And there wasn't, right? When I first read yeah, that there wasn't. trivia, I, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, shit, there was. But there actually wasn't. Um, no, they finally, really, they're actually getting to know each other. And he didn't want to, like, have sex with her yet. Like, he wasn't ready. Yeah, I mean, he was. ready to have sex with ladies of the night. Right. <laughs> he was busy. And she kind of, <laughs> she kind of, like, called him out on it at one point when they were um, chaperoning or not very well chaperoning the kids during that mm-hmm. Halloween parade. Um, they run into a a lady of the night who recognizes Clint, and she's like, "How do you know her?" <laughs> yeah. Um, and oh. he, you know, once again, not in his defense, he doesn't really hide that aspect. No, of his he's really honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, and also, if he wasn't doing it off screen in an inappropriate way, it's not necessarily you know, there's nothing. Uh, and the movie's convoluted because he should have recognized sooner that his entanglements with these women could put them in danger. But mm-hmm. just the just the sexual um, services that he's paying for, maybe, <laughs> maybe he, not, yeah, aren't necessarily aren't necessarily <laughs> wrong. Um, mm-hmm. There's a couple, one or two more things that uh, I want to play highlight or lowlight with. Clint doing physical stuff that's not sexy, like um, running. running. <laughs> how does how he at, at that? He's terrible. He was like, so the ending scene is Clint Eastwood chasing after the serial killer. And they're both running very slowly for what seems like 15 minutes. I don't know why they weren't running. It was like a slight, it was like a brisk jog. They were running, but not movie running. Like, and it was the way it was filmed. Like, they were run. I mean, they were. He's stiff. Mm. Like, he's notoriously, um, (laughs) boy, walked right into that one. Yeah, Um, yeah, he did. He's notoriously (laughs) wooden as an actor, but, (laughs) um, but like, you can use that to your advantage when you're supposed to be like a stoic cowboy that only has to move, like, move as as few muscles as possible to raise your gun. Um, Mm -hmm. In this, when he's like having physical freakouts and um doing a chase it just looks super so awkward well even him like jumping over the the low fence i was like can you even move that like i don't understand why it's so hard it yeah oh that cool. was that was painful like he stops at the fence yeah <laughs> looks at it then jumps like, okay um, <laughs> i was about to blame the director but i actually found a little bit of trivia on my own that clint wasn't happy with how slowly the director was going so he felt, he basically directed it himself. The last <laughs> highlight I want to point out, I'm going to call it a highlight. I don't even need your input. Is sure. um, during the final conf- confrontation, uh, once he slowly chases down the dude and they're wrestling on the train tracks. Oh my God, what's going to uh, happen? There's a train coming. He he like rolls off. He's strangling the guy. He rolls off just as the train's arriving. But wait. There's still a hand strangling his neck. Oh my God! Twist. <laughs> ah! But it's just yeah, the hand cool. of the severed arm. <laughs> so, <laughs> I like that. Um, I like that too. Yeah. All right. Do you have any more highlight. trivia? Nope. That's it. Well, that means it's time for a quick break from our discussion of tightrope. Tightrope. While we tune into <laughs> NR84 new release radio. Take a look around At least you got friends I call my old lady 
So, New Release Radio is where we give you a taste of what was happening this week back in 1984. As you probably know, that was our old friend Prince with Let's Go Crazy up one spot to number one on the oh. Billboard Top 100 <laughs> nice. for the week of September 28th, 1984. It's really hard to improvise in this voice. Ashley, what's happening in the news or pop culture this week? 36 Emmy Awards. <laughs> 36 Emmy Awards? Woo! The 36th annual Emmy Awards. Yeah, there's 36 of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just had the Emmys in 2020, which makes sense because they stay about the same uh, every year as far as their timing. So where were the highlights of the 36th annual Emmys? Ashley? No highlights. Uh, well, the hi well there is winners. one. There's a winner that should have lost. No, just read the winners. Oh, Hill, Hill Street, Street Blue, Blues. Cheers, John Ritter, and I don't even know how to say that person. Tyne Daly. Tyne Daly. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> those were those were some of the big winners. In wow. addition to this person. And the winner is. Something about Amelia. <laughs> My favorite show. For some reason, um, we should have filmed it ourselves while we were there, but it was hard to get in. So I had we had to rely on YouTube, and that's the only clip from the 1984 Emmys. Wow. Um, so good for whoever that was. <laughs> what about the box office report? Yeah, thanks for asking. So, All of Me, our movie from last week, yeah. still number one. Yes, 5. awesome. 5.2 million, only down 9%. Basically just uh, built on its audience or, you know, held its same audience. So, that's cool. Um, we've got two new movies at number two and number three. These are the movies that we chose not to see. Um, the Wildlife, which made $4 million and is just kind of a generic teen um, adventure movie. There's been a bunch of those this year. I feel like we haven't done that many of them, uh, but they're all, they all feel super dated and are more or less the same. We definitely don't need to watch the second rate ones when the first rate ones like Revenge of the Nerds don't mm -hmm. necessarily hold up the best. This movie um, at number three, Irreconcilable Differences, uh, starring another, another Drew Barrymore um, vehicle. She's... It has an interesting premise. It's her divorcing her parents. Oh, how old is she? <laughs> she she's like the age that she was in Firestarter, so oh, eight so she's or like something. Eight or ten, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So eight. she's trying to emancipate herself at eight. Oh, did she set them it, on fire? <laughs> that would have been a good a good uh, tactic in the courtroom. <laughs> um, and then in its seventh week of release, Tightrope made one point two million at number eight. This movie was definitely a commercial success it was number four i mean it was number one for at least four weeks on the box office charts so that's why we wanted to hear what all the fuss we wanted to see what all the fuss was about and, and it turns out no fuss <laughs> yeah. it was just because clint eastwood was in it <laughs> it was yeah it was all clint and nobody there were no there was no social media there was no tabloids so mm -mm. he was getting a free pass for his poor behavior um, mm -hmm. Not that anybody would have even cared at the time, probably. 
True. Um, let's move on to one of our favorite segments each week. Rank the blank. Pew, pew, pew. William Defoe. Beautiful. <laughs> it's really go. nice. <laughs> this is where we pick a topic inspired by the week's movie and we rank our personal favorites. Keyword personal. Um, we're learning more and more about each other and, and <laughs> um, our movie preferences each week. <laughs> I think the best thing we can do here um, just today and going forward is lean into what we love. Not like this is not going to be a definitive top whatever number list. This is going to be we are battling head to head for who deserves what they love more. Um, oh, so okay. with all that in mind, I'm this changing it up. <laughs> this week's topic is set in Nolans. So that could be any movie or you know maybe music video. <laughs> that takes place in the Big Easy. So with all that in mind, Ashley, why don't you name a few contenders this week just so we can get a feel for kind of the range of different types of movies that have been set in Nolans. Sure. Okay, so we have A Streetcar Named Desire, mm. Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. <laughs> Two classics. <laughs> yeah, back to back. The Big Easy, Easy Rider, True Blood, mm. um, and Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. With Starring Nick Cage. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and two recent Netflix movies. <laughs> how how New Orleans-y did Tall Girl feel to you? Not Well, I actually only watched like part of it because I didn't really like it. So not very. But Lovebirds kind of did. Yeah, Lovebirds actually made. I mean, I only watched half of that one, and you watched. I watched Tall all Girl, of it. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, this is our second shout out to Tall Girl. Oh yeah, you were why? A tall girl. Oh, okay, shout out to me. You're always <laughs> trying to find a way to get Tall Tall Girl. I didn't put this. In, I didn't put I was, Tall Girl in here. You did. I was tall at one point last week. It felt great. Oh, oh yeah, when you were me. <laughs> tall and hot. <laughs> Um, well, we're all sweating, just like Clint, to find out which movies we selected for our personal choices. To kick off the list, we have to start with Tightrope because it inspired the list in the first place. And like I said earlier, it actually does make use of the location pretty well as background ambiance without having New Orleans there as like a touch point if they were using New York or San Francisco, like originally planned, mm -hmm. it would have been more familiar and less, I mean, more familiar to like movie settings. So I thought it was, I thought that definitely made the movie a little bit better. Um, Ashley, what's your, your choice? I'm going to choose interview with a vampire. Um, that stars Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, baby Kirsten Dunst um, takes place in the 1800s or a period piece. Um, and really the set's incredible. There's like these beautiful uh, mansions, New Orleans style with like the wraparound porches, like the double decker wraparound porches. And then all their like colonial, or not colonial, but all of their like old school garb is 
I mean, it's done very well. It's tough because it's a period piece, but still very I, New Orleans. Well, New Orleans can exist in multiple periods. I know, but I feel like it's more, I recognize it obviously more from today, not the 1800s. Yeah. Well, we went to a different period. Period. 84. <laughs> <laughs> do this. I like to do it. I enjoy it. Take your receipts, taste, pure things. Kill them swiftly if you will. But do it. For do not doubt. You are a killer, Louis. Yes, Louis, get it. <laughs> so, great choice, Ashley. For my choice, um, we'll see how great y'all think it is. Oh, There's great. a <laughs> fun horror movie from the early 80s called The Beyond by an Italian director. So, similar to Clint's uh, early work with the you know famous Italian director of Westerns, Sergio Leone. Um, whoever the heck was in this movie worked with a um, Italian director. There was this whole Italian horror movement at the time, starting with like Suspiria, which is probably the most well-known of yeah. the Yalo films. Um, but this one's fun. It's, I haven't mentioned it's New Orleans-ness because it's sort of secondary to the plot. It's about a woman who inherits a hotel that's on top of a gateway to hell um other than that the hotel's really cool um beautiful architecture uh, needs a little bit of renovations and if you go like into the basement and break down some of the walls you might find zombies but other than that uh it's a nice inheritance so for me, um, it holds a special place in my heart because I got to see it at the Hollywood Theater with a uh, live orchestra. So, oh, awesome. yeah, the Italian composer Fabio Frizzi um, performed with a full a full band on stage, and it was actually the first time I had seen the movie. And it's a bonkers, gory, um, just visual feast. Cool. And then to have them playing <laughs> along with the movie was really fun. So, here's a clip of that. Like this, is, oh. this would be really cool with an orchestra. Yeah, it just imagine like this being played live while the movie is happening. It was a memorable experience. It's not exactly uh, New Orleans inspired music, but it's timeless in my opinion. Unlike Ashley's movie, Derek, what's your choice? <laughs> okay, Shade, need an umbrella. <laughs> my choice is uh, Beasts of the Southern Wild. Mm. And this is nice. such an interesting film. I would recommend anybody that made it this far in the podcast to go watch that and then come back here and listen to me not do it justice. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, it's, it's a great film about um, this post-apocalyptic world where a huge hurricane hit Louisiana and they live on water. It is amazing. And it's it's and maybe it's not literally uh, taking place after Katrina, but there's no stretch to say that it's inspired by the aftermath of that. Um, literally, the levees burst in this um, family, uh, notably this this young girl is trying to, like, you know, escape. And then some 
fan fantasy stuff is happening too. So. And it all goes quiet behind my eyes. I see everything that made me. Flying around in invisible pieces. I see that I'm a little piece of a big, big universe. That sounds so good. I've never seen it, so I need to watch it. Definitely yeah, you would think it. that it was. It got a lot of buzz. I think Kwabanzaa Wallace won an Oscar for. She was like best young. I mean, not best young. That's not a category. Like best act actor or actress in a movie, like at age eight or something. It's incredible. Um, yeah. So it maybe she only got nominated. I might. I might be mistaken there, but it was. Um, it was a really popular movie for like a minute and then it just kind of i feel like if people didn't see it in that initial window they might not have revisited it later so mm -hmm. derek's recommendation is a good one um let's go ahead and rank these puppies ashley where do you want to put tightrope well considering our instagram poll did not suggest this is a favorite clint eastwood movie mm -hmm. <laughs> i might put that kind of lower um, but from the poll, Hang 'em High got the most votes for Clint what Eastwood. One of Clint Eastwood movies. <laughs> well, I don't yeah, know. I but... haven't seen it. <laughs> it's a Western. I haven't seen it. Um, and there were a couple others, but that was the one that got the most that people were excited about. But, but I would put Tyro. How many votes did Million Dollar Baby get? None. No. Okay. Um, Mystic River got a vote, but he's not even in Mystic River. He just directed and produced it. So. That's my favorite. That, that counts. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I didn't even vote this week, and that would have been my choice. So, <laughs> um, I would put tightrope. I mean, it shows New Orleans pretty well, but yeah. I would actually put it above Drew's choice. <laughs> <laughs> I put it I above mean, the Beyond. Yeah, I, I, th my choice was very self-indulgent. Um, yeah well in a description you said that new orleans was like secondary to the movie so you kind of think i'd have to rewatch it through that lens but i guess if that's the case then it must not have been one of the things that stood out to me so sure I'll, we can mine can be number four okay so that uh, the beyond at number four tightrope at number three so we have a head-to-head -head between interview with a vampire and beast of the southern wild make I, your case ashley well i i can't make my case because i'm gonna go with derek's <laughs> and, well you haven't even seen that one just from the just from the trailer alone from the trailer alone and from what derek said it's more new orleans more louisiana than my movie so derek's never been there and i've never seen the movie but together <laughs> we're both gonna check to pick beast of the southern wild wow i think that means the beyond wins no so <laughs> <laughs> the Beast of the Southern Wild takes place in like the bayous surrounding the city. So assuming we're not um, talking specifically about like tightrope took place all in um, in the like city center and, you know, a little bit on the river. But like this one takes place completely out on the out in like the swamplands. OK, um, I see where you're going there. That's not necessarily uh, that's a, that's a crucial part of like the New Orleans setting and, and vibe. And, you know, we mentioned True Blood earlier that kind of occupies the same part of, of New Orleans lore. Um, so I think that's an important thing to capture. 
I would say actually, you know, interview with a vampire, it, it, New Orleans was more New Orleans in the 17 and 1800s, arguably, mm -hmm. than later. But if we're talking about like cultural significance and music scene and things like that, that all came later. So I guess you're, you're, it's sort of fair. If you're talking about architecture and like buildings, they were probably cooler <laughs> in yeah. interview with a vampire. Mm -hmm. uh, and costumes were obviously like, uh, you can pick what your favorite era of costumes were. Which ones would you rather wear, actually? Stuff from the 1800s or, or 1900s? Well, 1800s is a lot of buttons. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> take like three hours to get in that. So, no, thank you. All right. So, let's say Beast of the Southern Wild, number one. Um, it's the one that uses the setting. It, it all takes place. You can't separate it from the setting. So mm -hmm. I think that's a good, it's not background. It's like the setting has caused the situation that they're in in the first place. Um, so that's number one, interview with a vampire. Number two, tightrope, which sucked. Number three, <laughs> <laughs> and my movie, The Beyond, which is awesome. Sucked. At number four, but the least New Orleansy. Now it mm -hmm. would, if we were, again, I have to remind myself uh, and you, um, usually that this is not about which movie is better. Um, because if that was the case, I would be much more upset about the rankings, but, and I've never even seen Beast of the Southern Wild. So yeah, can be the better movie. Um, I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad we, uh, get to recognize it with that. It's almost time to sign off on new release radio for this week and give our final thoughts on tightrope. But before we do, let's listen to a hot new track that debuted this week at number 48 what? on the Billboard Top 100. Hot I don't know what new track. Hot. Nelly. I picture, I, you, I haven't seen this music video. Have you? Yes. Okay. Well, I picture in this music video <laughs> a cartoon clock in the background, just like spinning over and over again, and then him dancing in front of it for the entire music video. If I had to guess what it looked like. I hope Am I you right? enjoyed Out of Touch. I'm just going to ignore that now. Um, it's just the two, like, it's just the two main singers, like, singing to each other. Oh. Or maybe okay. I'm picturing, or maybe it was a still of the album cover. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> and, you know, actually, and I didn't actually You animated it. <laughs> so, um, your version sounds fun. Let's, <laughs> let's uh, wrap up our discussion of Tightrope. Ashley, how were the reviews for this thriller? S surprisingly pretty well received. Yeah. I didn't think, I think it's just because people love Clint Eastwood so much. I don't think they focus on the movie that much, but I will give you some reviews and let them speak for themselves. Mm. So one review is I admire tightrope for taking chances. Clint Eastwood can get, can get rich making dirty, hairy movies, but he continues to change and experiment. And that makes him the most interesting of the box office megastars. Okay. So it talks um, really nothing about the movie. It's more like Clint Eastwood's great. He tried something different. Well, that, that's kind of what I was getting at earlier with the fact that he was, it, it was definitely perceived as him taking a risk. 
portraying this unlike you know uh, shitty character like he was supposed to be a unlikable character some of the time of -hmm. course redeemed but you know some Uh, mild kudos for stepping outside of the his his comfort zone a little bit mm -hmm. um another one is the acting was subpar and it was pitiful watching eastwood stumble through his detective skills to find the killer so did you explain that what we usually do here is you give us oh, two it. true views and one lie? One Ashley so, review. Yeah, you're the but lie. It, but this week, I'm the lie, and so is Derek's dad. So he's also a review. Okay, so, so we have two lies. Two no. lies and a true. Okay. Okay. And, and it, okay. <laughs> okay, so it's kind of like those games where you're um, matching uh, one column to another column. So... <laughs> mm-hmm. Why don't we just match, you know, real film critic, Ashley, Derek's dad. Mm -hmm. So we got, what's the third one? Okay. So the third one is one of Eastwood's weaker movies. Ooh. Okay. I think I can do it. Short and sweet. Yep. I think the number three is Derek's dad. Number two is Ashley. And number one was a real legit film critic. So number one was Roger Ebert. So mm. yeah, good job. Um, number two was Derek's dad. And number three oh. was me. Oh. Sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I mean, I would have to see more of his movies to have a strong opinion. I'm guessing I don't, I wouldn't love him. And I wouldn't call it his acting in the other movies, but it might have, it must've just been like, a, he was in the perfect uh time and place and had the right like look and attitude to become a western like to embody this this type of character Mm -hmm. and trying to do anything else was probably not in his best interest uh but you know honestly i didn't really think he was the problem with this movie i thought it was just pretty by the numbers yeah (laughs) Um, but he didn't elevate it he wasn't doing anything interesting that's for sure oh speaking of numbers nine people died didn't do it over and under but the serial killer killed nine people in the movie like in the movie yeah wow and how many people did clint eastwood sleep with almost all of them yeah pretty much (laughs) yeah what was your review ashley it sucked um one of eastwood's weaker movies oh right that was that's probably not saying a lot right yeah (laughs) but you did you you did you did trick me. Um, yeah. All right. Well, I this is the rare case of where I agree with all three reviews. Basically, like, you know, mm-hmm. did Ebert have a star rating associated to his? Three and a half out of four. Oh, okay. So that's higher than I would have inferred from that that yeah. excerpt. I would but, think like two and a half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. What about Saturn Awards or other? awards for this movie it was only nominated for the uh, allison eastwood clint eastwood's daughter was nominated for the young artist award but did not win and that was the only award mm. nomination so good yeah <laughs> that's <not> right um, <laughs> well there was apparently there was like oscar worthy buzz around this and then everyone was disappointed that this wasn't and i don't even know why i'd get an oscar but there's buzz around potentially well, getting one the just this mystique you know we've talked about it the whole episode and ebert mm-hmm. summed it up the mystique around clint doing this kind of like seedy different type of movie he could have easily gotten a nomination for you know 
acting against type, even though he really didn't. So rare praise for the Academy for not <laughs> <laughs> recognizing him. And because it, it was commercially successful enough, enough people saw it. It wasn't mm-hmm. a flop. Um, right. I, I don't know fully what their expectations were financially for it, but I'm assuming it did fine. Um, so it could have could have easily been recognized. Do we have any Ashley alliteration awards? Yeah. Well, this isn't an alliteration. This is a rhyme award. <laughs> <But> <laughs> something. Um, sleazy, easy, Clint-easty award. <laughs> 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 so that's my award. Okay. <laughs> that, that's a good tagline. Thanks. That should have been the tagline for the movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. Oh, I thought there was another one. No. Well, I was going to do one. Or. No, I said, oh, well. But oh. I was going to do um, <laughs> Cops Not Wearing Gloves Award. Like, what the fuck? Did you notice that throughout the whole movie? They're touching all the evidence and not wearing any gloves? We forgot, we forgot to call out Derek's character. Um, oh, right Derek's the male stripper. <laughs> no, no, no. I was going to, he can be the male stripper by night, but during the day, um, I thought he would be the, the, the mustached lab technician. Oh, the little nerd guy? Yeah. Well, he was like good at his job, but kind of sassy with Clint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Sure. He was not a, he was a, he was a kind of a okay character. And then stripper. <laughs> yeah. And then you, you know, got to make ends meet. Um, not even a pun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's, I think we can go ahead and do our ranking on a scale of one to 84. How 80s was this movie? Not very. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to rank it pretty low. I mean, it's not like Clint Eastwood was big in the 80s. Um, we, we sort of re um, worked the list last week. So we have a clear number one now of Ghostbusters at 80. I think that was already the case. Mm -hmm. And then 16 Candles and Karate Kid are in sole possession (laughs) of two (laughs) and three uh, at 79. So everything in the top six that we have here has cracked 70. Um, We should also have like our movie that's ranked the lowest. So we'd have some some kind of context at the bottom. Yeah, I mean, are you thinking 40s, 50s, 60s? Maybe like 40s, maybe. I mean, it doesn't feel like an eight, like if you watched it, you wouldn't know it's in the 80s. I would say maybe the gym the, and the, the outfits plot. a little bit. I yeah. mean, just sort of the straight forward detective thriller. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a generic um, enough plot that it could easily have been a 90s plot, but. I think the seediness of it and the exploited, uh, exploitativeness of it mm-hmm. was kind of 80s. The nudity, very 80s. Yeah, that's true. Butt uh, tattoo, 80s. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> those were popular well into the the early aughts, I think. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I'm still going to go like upper 40s. I mean, it's just not very 80s. I don't Derek, even know if I want to go that high. Do you have your handy dandy computer? TI 84 out. Ooh, TI 84 was a calculator, right? Wasn't it 83? I think I had the TI 84. I don't think you did. Okay. Just kidding. I don't know. Yeah. So my, my calculations are just a, a fraction of 84. 
Right. You just say numbers and then you add them up. Correct. So music. <laughs> <laughs> music. Ten. Halloween yeah. mask. Like the creepy ass old Ooh, yeah. school Halloween masks. I would mm -hmm. give that a five. So we're at 15. <laughs> <laughs> the detective okay. the detective story and the seediness that's a 20 so we're at uh 35. 35 and then the approach at nudity i give it a five and then 40. that's it okay yeah nice even 40 that's got to be the lowest yet yeah sometimes these numbers correspond to like our thoughts on them you know whether the movie was good or not but not necessarily i would say in this case it's it's pretty proportional um, mm -hmm. or correlated to one another. So we should know the answer to this then. Do you recommend this or want to see a remake or both? No, no, no. Oh, so double both. <laughs> double <laughs> negative both. Um, we did come up with an intriguing like alternate version earlier. So if we were... There would be no reason to remake this as a slasher. That was just that would have been a fun uh, alternate version. And you know, in what? The, in the we moment. could just yes. watch the documentary on the Bay Area rapist, sure, or like or, or again, yeah, or remake it as a slasher. So you get to see every kill and the blood splatter. You know, add some you know different music just... in John Carpenter Louisiana vibes. Yeah, then just make it a different movie. Right. I mean, there's yeah. and that's just any any slasher for the next th 25 years after that would have been mm -hmm. yeah satisfied that so yeah. i guess we're all in agreement no need to recommend it um no need to remake it no need to do both go figure um, that's how <laughs> derek do you need to calculate that uh zero okay um, <laughs> point zero zero <laughs> nevertheless we still have to immortalize this movie in the new release wax museum now we have a whole wing dedicated to shit i.e. Charlie Sheen. Um, <laughs> I don't think Clint, well, actually his behavior um, yeah, definitely is right up there with Charlie Sheen's uh, antics over the years, if not worse. Mm -hmm. um, so, but if we're just talking about the movie itself, I, I, I think it's more forgettable than deplorable. So um, do we want it to be as tie? Uh, should it be his uh, sweaty bum? The hand, the severed hand. Oh yeah, the severed hand. Let's just put that in the cornfield. I mean, is it a, is it not a lost um, opportunity to just have Clint's face? Like, if we're just trying to boost ticket sales for the museum, like pose with Clint Eastwood, just just a a sweaty Clint Eastwood, um... <gasps> a sweaty slushy. We gotta have concessions. Oh, there's also a lot of um, <laughs> uh, freeze pops in this movie, or whatever you call them. Popsicles. Popsicles. You know yeah. what? <laughs> freeze pops. Yeah, let's well, have a dancer or stripper, hooker, whatever she was, slurp or you know, like eating one of those ice cream thingies. This is gonna go in the the NC17 part side of our museum. Yeah. Okay. So we'll, okay. we'll have a like a red room. And we can put Ooh. creepy Clint staring up at the the mud wrestling strippers being Eating officiated yeah. by a little person. Yep. Eating lime wedges. Jesus Perfect. Christ, this is our dirtiest, weirdest wax <laughs> thing ever. We might get a lot of people coming through. Great. Can't wait. Yes. Mm -hmm. Let's 
talk about what we're going to watch next week. It's the beginning of a month I like to call Shocktober. Ooh, which power is, glove. Just kidding. Yeah, no, not that kind of shocking. <laughs> more horror related. Um, or are you talking about the vibrate, vibrate yeah. um, November? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love October because it's an excuse to watch as many horror movies and horror things as possible. We're going to have to be creative with the schedule a little bit because for some reason all the horror movies came out in November this year. (laughs) But we do have a special presentation for next week. Something very special. He was created out of violence and horror. He exists only to destroy the evil around him. He can't be reasoned with or bargained with. He can't be stopped. So if you've been bad, look out. He's your worst nightmare come true, the Toxic Avenger. If you've been bad, he'll get you good. Rated R, (laughs) under 17, not admitted. What? everywhere. Love I it. like that. If you've been bad, he'll get you good. <laughs> so that's next week, The Toxic Avenger. We're going to have to jump through some time-traveling hoops to find it playing at a theater. Oh, um, but I think we can mm-hmm. make it happen. Are you all excited? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, if you want to join in on the fun of Shocktober and everything that follows, you can subscribe to the podcast by searching new release 1984 on Spotify or Apple or anywhere else you get podcasts. That's a wrap.